A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online. So any small business could be a driving force to create change or build an empire. We know old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. So we're calling for a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's up to us to make it happen. Start different at GoDaddy.com. COVID-19 patients need your help. If you fully recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have the antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients recover. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today to schedule an appointment to donate blood. That's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T dot org. Help save lives and schedule your appointment at Vitalant.org. You could help save lives. This is an ode to Napa cabbage. Of all the cabbages on all the cabbage farms, only you have the crisp crunch worthy of our Bibigo Korean dumplings. No other cabbage would do, because no other cabbage tastes like you. We love you, Napa cabbage. Just don't tell Green Onion. Napa cabbage, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every hearty, flavorful Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. On this episode of Confessions of a Marketer, we're talking about the need for corporate empathy. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. We have Ford's first head of social, Scott Monty, on this week. Really great chat we had about the need for more corporate empathy. We get a reading of a little poem he wrote about it, plus a look at how Ford responded to the Great Recession. We'll get to that in a moment. In the weeks to come, Matt Solari, creative director at BRC Imagination Arts, will be in to talk about telling an authentic story. We'll have Jacques von Niekerk, CEO of Wonderman Data, back to look at the aftermath of GDPR. And Peter Horst will be on to discuss marketing in the age of fake news. Also, Duncan Chapel will be back here to discuss PR agencies and how they can boost analyst relations. Lots of fun stuff as we round out 2018 here on Confessions of a Marketer. So stay tuned. On to Scott Monty, Scott's principal at Scott Monty Strategies. He's the former head of digital at Ford and is now a popular keynote speaker who advises clients and writes regularly on customer experience, leadership, and marketing. I read a piece he wrote in the early summer on the need for more corporate empathy and a little poem that accompanied it. I wanted him to come on here to talk about it and give our first, and hopefully not last, poetry reading. Let's get to it. Scott Monty, welcome to Confessions of a Marketer. It's great to have you on the podcast. It is my great pleasure to be here. So these days, you know, I seem to read or hear about a focus on the user all the time. It seems to be everywhere. But even with, you know, user experience, tone of voice, design thinking, and all that stuff at the top of people's minds in marketing, it seems to me that actual empathy is lacking. So in that piece I read of yours a while back, you made the case for corporate empathy. And I think it's an important discussion to have. So what precipitated your article? Uh, <laughs> probably about a decade's worth. 
dealing with companies doing this over and over again. You know, it's it's not a new thing, Mark. That's that's the thing. That, right. You know, we we seem to keep reminding ourselves of this need every few years or so, and it keeps coming back up. You know, the the, the same bump in the tire as it goes round and round. You know, back in my time at Ford, it was very easy to see how the company was so pleased with itself mm-hmm. with the advances that it made and i came in as an outsider and you know initially i was kind of a a reality check to some of that that you know would people really care about this kind of announcement would people really pay attention to something that you're so proud to announce sure versus what are you actually doing for them you know what what are you doing that where you you've taken yourself out of your corporate shoes and started thinking like a consumer because we're all consumers. It doesn't matter whether we're B2B or B2C. (laughs) We are fundamentally consumers. And yet we start to inhabit that brand as brand managers, as corporate communicators. uh, And we are so excited about what we do. We're so into that brand, but you know what? Unless you're Starbucks People don't wake up thinking about your brand. Right. You know, that's just the reality. They think about the problems they've got to face every day, right? That's exactly right. You know, I've got to pick the kids up from school. I've got to get the dry cleaning. I've got three meetings. I've got to get on a conference call. You know, where in that busy, hectic, harried world is there room for, um, you know, an interruption, a brand, a, a marketer? But... You know, the marketer that gets those challenges, that perhaps creates something to make it easier for you to get through your day Mm -hmm. by showing empathy, either from a content perspective, from a utility that they create to to assist you. Um, That's the kind of thing that we need more of rather than just interruption after interruption. But you can't fake it, right? It's kind of like sincerity. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's I, I guess, though, it's easier to mask a lack of empathy when you're communicating via email or phone and there's no eye contact or when you're writing, you know, copy for a website. So how can you imbue that kind of electronic communication with the feel you get when you're one on one face to face with someone in a store or just in a in a meeting? Yeah, well, you know, interestingly, the the. You say that uh, it's easier to do that over text, you know, uh, email, chat, what have you, than it is in person. There are even a number of brands that don't get that far. (laughs) Um, You know, I I think back to some of the things that um, United Airlines has gone through over the past year, let's say. And sometimes they just immediately respond by quoting policy at you. Right. Well, uh, yeah, well, I know what the policy is. We're, that's why we're at this point right now. Um, but can you identify with why I'm upset, why I'm put out, why I'm angry? Uh, because if you if you quote policy back at me, that's only going to add to the anger. And I've got another reason to be uh, put out by you. And you're just looking for help at that point, right? You're just looking for an ear, you know? It, it's funny because I can't tell you how many times I've come across customers in situations like that that don't necessarily want a problem solved or they, they don't want you to do anything about it physically. They just want to be acknowledged. They want to be heard. And that's a fundamental 
human truth. Uh, I, I don't care where you're from or what time period you live in, whether you're dealing with a family member or uh, a, a business that you purchased something from. Humans want to be heard. They want right. to be acknowledged for who they are. And once we do that, and, and once we come down to that same level with them, uh, it, it, it becomes a lot easier to deal with, human to human. Yeah, and you note in your, in your piece that empathy is really about listening, not just kind of nodding in agreement, but actually listening. So how can an organization, specifically you know, a marketing or sales organization or any organization, build that culture of listening? Because corporations don't really do that very well, do they? No, and you know, it's funny because I don't think – in, in normal conversation, humans are really masters of listening either. What's that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we, we tend to want to wait for a pause so we can then jump in with the point that we're going to make. Yeah, it's like a lot of conversations at cocktail parties are just one person saying something and someone else trying to say a similar thing, only it's better because it happened to them, that kind of thing. It, it's, yeah, it's dueling monologues. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, and that kind of thing doesn't get us anywhere. You know, I mean, some of the, some of the greatest interviewers of all time, and I, I think I, I can count on my hand, you know, just three of who I think the, the best interviewers have been over the last 20 to 30 years. Uh, they're Johnny Carson mm -hmm. because he didn't put the focus on himself. He made whoever it was, whether it was Cary Grant or the potato chip lady, he made them the star. Larry King, yep. who never prepared for an interview. Interesting. It's a great gig. I want that gig where I don't have to prepare for anything. <laughs> you just got to wear suspenders and lean <laughs> on your desk. But what he did is he showed up with a couple of questions, and then he just listened to what the other person said and responded. And it was a true conversation. It wasn't really an interview. Yeah. Uh, and then the third person... Uh, and this one's more controversial, is Howard Stern. Yeah. Oh, he's a great interviewer. He, and he's at this point in his career, I mean, he's just a master at it because he puts people at ease and he lets them be themselves and just takes the conversation as it flows. Yeah. And I would add one more person to that. Uh, do you remember Tom Snyder? Oh, sure. Yeah. Tom Snyder. He was, you know, on the Tomorrow Show on the uh, 1 a.m. On, on NBC and they were very relaxed, uh, you know, smoke-filled studio interviews, you know, and it was fascinating. Those were the days. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. You, you got a sense with him that if, if you were next to him on the subway or at a bar, it would be the same guy, and you could have that easy of a conversation. Yeah, yeah. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. It's, it's really a skill, isn't it? So it, like most skills, it can be learned. It can. And, you know, the thing is, it comes with a lot of practice, yeah. you know, and, and there are going to be um, bumps along the way. Uh, you know, not every interview that each one of those gentlemen that we just mentioned has been stellar. You know, and, and as I said, Howard Stern even, you know, worked his way up. He used to be just known as the shock jock. Right. But, you know, in his later years, he's really developed this skill. And, you know, if you want to get better with your with your customers, that's exactly how you have to do it. And, you know, it's funny because a few years ago, Delta 
on their customer service line began asking a one-question survey mm. after you're done with your, your issue. They said, would you, would you hold, please, and take a one-question survey? And you think, well, sure. I mean, who's, who can't answer one question, right? right? Take me 10 seconds. Yeah. And the question they asked was fascinating. They said, thinking about the person who just helped you, if you owned your own business on a scale of 1 to 10, how likely would you be to hire that person? Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's a great and that that begins to inculcate in that customer service team a whole culture of what it really means to be quote unquote customer centric yeah. what it means to handle uh, somebody's issue that's fascinating yeah so you led Ford's social operation I, did you start that social operation were you the first kind of uh, social media guru there uh, yeah, I hate that term, but yeah, I, I was uh, specifically hired uh, for a position they created. Uh, I came in in uh, July of 2008, just before the global carpocalypse began. <laughs> yeah, that was, and a time when they, boy, they could use you know any help they could get in that area, I would guess. Yeah, well, clearly uh, they, they went for any help they could get by hiring me. So, <laughs> so, so what, what did working for you know, this large, iconic, consumer-focused company teach you about empathy? Well, it, it, I think it, it came from the top, first of all. Yeah. Alan Mulally, as the CEO, really set the tone. And he, he, he ensured that there was a culture of transparency and of collaboration and of sharing of knowledge. And he and the entire management team there did not hold it against you if you screwed up, if you were having trouble with something. Mm. There was there was a big warm embrace for someone who said, hey, I'm having difficulty over here. Is there anyone who can help me? Mm. And internally, there became this sense of empathy that, yeah, you know, I've been through that before. Or uh, we know somebody in South America who went through a similar thing. Let's see if we can get together and help. So empathy led to constructive uh, solutions uh, internally. And that, as you can imagine, that culture then flowed externally, whether it was with suppliers or dealers or unions or customers, you know, everywhere we communicated, it was a matter of understanding first and then seeking to be understood. And Interestingly, Ford had some foresight. They refinanced their debt in 2006 or 2007, as I recall, and were the only American car company who didn't need a bailout. And still, it was a, it was a tough time from 2008, probably until what 2011. It was a it was a really hard time to be a big uh, car company, and that kind of coming together that you just described probably helped it through. It did, uh, and it, it was a difficult time. And, and I'll tell you, from from our perspective on the social and digital side, um, being able to fan ourselves out there and represent Ford as human beings rather than just speaking through a corporate logo or a corporate account, that allowed us to demonstrate to people, hey, we're just like you, and, and we're, we're having difficulty dealing with some of this. So if you can provide us some empathy – uh, we can certainly provide some uh, to you as well, understanding that you're frustrated 
uh, as we go through this too. All right, and it's—I mean—it's a tough business. The the auto business is always going to be cyclical and have periodic challenges. But it's interesting that that from you know the the point of view of Detroit that Ford started its resurgence, the auto business started its resurgence, and Detroit is starting a resurgence. Yeah, and you know it's going to be a a bit of a longer go for the city of Detroit. You know, there's mm-hmm. decades upon decades of recovery uh, that uh, that need to happen. But you know, it's it's funny when you think about the city of Detroit, and when you think about Ford Motor Company and the jam it was in. I've heard both likened to human beings. Mm-hmm. Detroit has this grittiness, this resiliency, this, you know, I'm not going to let anyone keep me down kind of attitude, uh, this kind of hard scrabble, you know, American type attitude. And similarly with Ford during uh, those times during the bailout, when Ford says, you know what, we don't need anything we've got, we've got our own uh, nest egg that we had the foresight to, uh, to do this with. A lot of the public said, you know, that's a very American thing. You know, that's what I would do. I, nobody bails me out. I have to pay my mortgage every month. I have to pay my bills. So I can identify with Ford as a very human kind of company. Yeah. And that's, that's, uh, that was something that I remember thinking about Ford back then and, and read about. And uh, it's really a kind of feather in its cap. Yeah. So it, we're recording this on a gloomy Monday afternoon. I don't know what it's like uh, in the Detroit area. Um, it's kind of overcast here in, in the Boston area with uh, uh, clouds, and it's kind of cool. And there's nothing better for me on a, on a gray Monday afternoon than hearing a bit of verse. Would you mind uh, sure. uh, reading on the need for corporate empathy? Yeah. I, um, you know, I've got a podcast, and one of my there's two inspirations I have, uh, both from the radio. Uh, one is Paul Harvey, who oh sure, you know, just had this wonderful news and comment, as well as the rest of the story, uh, yeah. kind of a a Twilight Zone uh, ironic twist of uh, historic content. And the other is Charles Osgood, who a lot of people, oh I love Charles Osgood. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people know him from CBS Sunday Morning, wearing his bow tie, but. He would typically end his Osgood file radio report with uh, some piece of original poetry. So yeah. I decided to try my hand. And he used to say, see you on the radio. See you on, on the radio. Sunday. That's yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh, so this, this piece is called On the Need for Corporate Empathy. The unfeeling brand is the scourge of the land when the masses want to debate you. With pitchforks and torches, they arrive on your porches, determined to damage and hate you. When met with a crisis, the finest advice is, listen and be self-aware. Execute flawlessly. Avoid quoting policy. Just try to act like you care. That's wonderful. I really appreciate you being here, Scott. Thanks for being my guest on Confessions of Market. A real pleasure to have you. Oh, thank you, Mark. It's just been a sheer delight talking with you. I really want to thank Scott for being with me today. Great guy and a great chat. Next week, Matt Solari is in to discuss something that is related to today's topic, telling authentic stories. This episode of Confessions of a Marketer was written, produced, and edited by yours truly. 
T. Jordan of A-Class Productions wrote the theme music. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Reed Edwards Global Inc. And this episode is copyright 2018. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. See you next time. stay home for the greater good. Secondhand smoke doesn't. It drifts through cracks in walls, air vents, and sink drains, spreading toxic chemicals that can damage lungs. Secondhand vape also puts your lungs at risk, even with the fruity smells. Protect yourself and the people around you from these secondhand dangers. Learn how at tobaccofreeca.com.